This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 89. Listener Stories. Doing what we do here at Campfire, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling has afforded us the great honor of acting as a sounding board for those of you who have experienced, struggled with, or even enjoyed anomalous encounters. Over the time that we have produced this podcast, we have received messages describing UFO sightings, cryptid encounters, haunted house stories, possessions, near-death experiences, and even the occasional run-in with good old-fashioned, very human creeps. So this week, we're going to take a look at three of our favorite submissions from the past year. Enjoy. Room 4 Fresh out of nursing school, I got my first real job in a fairly large hospital in a department that I honestly never thought I would ever work in. It was a six-bed cardiac ICU, with rooms that overlooked the city capitol building. It was a very nice unit, and I started out working 12-hour night shifts. The hospital I worked at had four other ICUs that were always full, so my unit always ended up being code bed, meaning if someone was arrested or went downhill fast, somewhere around the hospital they came to us. I had been working there for a year, and I was no stranger to death. Each patient of mine who had died on my shift was usually already on their way out. Their families were by their side, the DNR order was signed, the funeral home was already picked out. It was rarely ever a surprise. In fact, the only time I was ever needed to do CPR on my shift, it wasn't even my department. So I went on a nice long two-week vacation, got engaged, and had a beautiful tan. On my first night back, I received a report from the day charge nurse. She said she was off for a few days and suggested to remind the next day charge nurse that the priest was coming in in the morning to bless room four. I thought she was kidding at first, but she was serious. Apparently, while I was on vacation, every patient who was admitted to that room had died. But this came as no shock to me. People died often in our department, and it being a very religious institution, having a chaplain for almost every department, I just shook it off. Then she said that room four was empty, and that it would serve as code bed for the night. Around 2 a.m., 
I got a call saying that they had someone to fill our open bed. The ICU downstairs was now going to be code bed. So we were getting your run-of-the-mill chest pain, take-a-look-in-the-morning kind of patient. Nothing to get excited about. We get the patient admitted, and all settled in room four. He was a gentleman about 50 or so years old, very pleasant. His wife was with him and she looked dead on her feet. I got her some warm blankets and took her to our waiting room that had cots so she could get some rest. Around 3.30, I was watching monitors and the camera in each room. All the patients were fast asleep. The cameras all cycled through about three seconds each on a small TV that we had on the desk. Room one was fine. Room two was fine. Room three was fine. Room four, there was someone in there. It cycled too quickly for me to get a good look, and the doors to the unit were locked. Maybe the other nurse let his wife back in? I walked down the hall and glanced inside. There was nobody. I shrugged it off. It was late. I was tired. I was probably just seeing things. I went back to the desk and continued watching the screen. Room one, room two, room three, room four. I was not imagining anything. There was someone in room four. The person was standing in the corner by the window, their figure completely draped in shadow. I could not move my body. It cycled through again. This time it was closer to the patient's bed by maybe two or three feet. The hairs stood up straight on the back of my neck. The next time it cycled through, it was even closer. It stood in the light coming from the hallway. But despite the light, it was still shrouded in darkness. It cycled through again, and it was right next to the bed. My heart started pounding, and I could barely squeak to the nurse on the other end of the desk. As soon as my words formed and I was able to make some kind of noise to get her attention, the alarm on the monitor went off, signaling that the patient had cardiac arrest. The overhead system came on. A cart is needed in CCU room 4. People poured into the department, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, respiratory therapists. They all rushed into the room, but I couldn't move. It cycled through the rooms again. Room 4 came up, and this time the lights were on. There were 10 to 15 people surrounding the bed, doing CPR and slamming meds into his IV. Someone went to get his wife from the waiting room. But there it was, in the opposite corner. A dark figure watching this scene play out, just standing there. The man died of a heart attack. Room 4 was blessed that morning right on schedule, and I put in my two weeks' notice. Slender Man It was near the end of high school, around 2006, fall in northern Wisconsin. Perfect stomping around town weather. One Friday after school, I was over at my on-off high school boyfriend Jay's house, playing video games. Around 7pm we typically would meet up with our whole crew at a local restaurant, but we still had several hours to kill. We were getting bored, 
and it was so lovely out, so Jay suggested that we walk the train tracks on the west side of town. The town has been built up so much since then, but at the time, there was only a fleet farm and a small burger joint near the tracks, and that was about it. Miles of woods on either side surrounded the tracks. As it was perfect weather, and that doesn't last long here in Wisconsin, I agreed, and we jumped in his car and drove across town. We parked his little car to the side of the burger joint. At this point, it's late afternoon, about dusk. The sun was about to set. We hop out of the car, walk about a block where the train tracks cross the street, hook a right down the tracks through the woods. That area didn't get as many trains going through as a different set of tracks in town, and there was also plenty of space to the left and right of the tracks if a train did approach. It seemed safe. You could see maybe a mile in each direction if a train was coming, and to either side just tall pines. So we're walking down, balancing on the tracks, talking shit, jumping over stuff, whatever, for maybe five to ten minutes. Up ahead of us, we could see a few old boxcars off to the side of the tracks. Now this feels creepy, but it was totally normal. As we approached them, we could see there were two boxcars attached to each other, maybe another 10 to 20 feet, and then a single boxcar behind them. I got the heebie-jeebies as we approached the boxcars, but they were both shut. So as we peeked around on them, climbed up, etc., they were less menacing. Cool. We keep walking. Sun is now down and it's twilight. Quiet. We're both looking down as we walk past the boxcars, balancing and such. We get past them, maybe another length of a boxcar, when I just have the sense to look up. That's when I see it. I stopped short. I swear the hair on my arms stood up, and suddenly I felt like a prey animal that had been spotted. Jay, what's that up there? Is there someone on the tracks? He stopped and looked up. What looked like maybe half a mile to a mile down the tracks, standing directly in the middle of them, was the shape of a person where I thought it was. But for how far it is, the figure was unnaturally tall, standing stiff and still, arms at its sides, with what looked like the shape of a bowler hat or something. I can still picture it. Now, Jay doesn't fuck around with ghost stories and alien tales. He's a non-believer. But he saw it, too. Uh, we need to go, he said. He grabbed my hand and spun me back to the direction we came from. We were walking very briskly. But if you have ever been on train tracks, you know it's all small rocks and pebbles, so it's a little rough. About a minute passed. My heart was pounding, and I looked back over my shoulder. This person, who was originally about a mile away, was so much closer. It's like he suddenly jumped half the distance between where he originally was and where we were. But still, the same sickeningly tall, featureless shadow with a hat, standing still, arms at sides, stood in the middle of the tracks. Jay! I actually screamed, making him whip his head around. I've never seen this guy scared. He grabbed my hand tighter and broke off into a sprint. 
Now Jay is about 6'2 and I'm 5'4, so his stride is a bit longer than mine. A couple years prior, I recovered from a fractured knee and femur, and it's common knowledge that I cannot run. If you've ever seen the cartoons with someone running and the other person is kind of flapping behind the runner, held by the hand, that's what I felt like. He took off. My legs moved, but my toes barely skimmed the tracks. We ran past the boxcars off to the side, and as we were about to get past the two that were hooked together, I stole one more frantic look over my shoulder. There he was, one boxcar away. Same weird proportions, like a dark, opaque shadow. I swear my eyes bugged out of my head. My body and adrenaline said, get the fuck out. I forced my legs down and pushed my own damn self into a run. We plowed forward, no more glances back. We hooked back into the street and frantically fumbled our way back into his car, slamming and locking the doors behind us. I remember both of us sitting there, panting, staring forward for a good minute or two, until snapping back to it with a what the fuck. The sun went down. Nothing could be seen toward the tracks. We went to our hangout with the crew at seven chomping at the bit to tell everyone what had happened. No one believed us or cared, really. I told my dad later on, and he said so many people died building that railroad it was probably a ghost. Thanks, Dad. Fast forward to maybe 2011. I'm in college. Jay and I had broken up and didn't really keep in touch, but I get a text from him out of the blue, a link to that Slenderman game. I remember sitting in my dorm with a chill as I watched the preview and felt sick to my stomach. How he only moves toward you when you aren't looking and is frozen staring at you when you look back. I read the Wikipedia page and the creepypasta and all that shit. I know all that stuff is made up, but the similarity to what we experienced freaks me out. Now recently I looked up the chunk of railroad where it went down in my hometown on Google Maps. It's much more developed with shopping and housing around, but there is still a little stretch surrounded by trees, which is the one we walked down. I'm going back for Thanksgiving, and was thinking about taking a jaunt to the tracks. But reading all the spooky stories I have been reading lately, it's making me change my mind, I think. Just in case this is some entity... I don't want to take it back with me. The Servant I went to a small college for women tucked away in a quaint New England town. In my second year, I was lucky enough to get a spot in one of the oldest dorms on campus, a stone building that students called the castle, covered in gargoyles and ivy and twisting turrets. It was built in the early 1800s, The rooms themselves had been modernized, but it still felt like living in a gothic fever dream. As a 19-year-old romantic, I absolutely loved it. I was surprised to get a room in the castle. When it was my turn to choose, I saw that room available. I thought I'd really lucked out. It was the smallest room in the building, but I still grabbed it without hesitating. I moved in the following September, and things were going great, at first. I loved my classes, 
and I had made good friends in my first year, but within a few weeks, I couldn't shake the feeling that my life was on a downward spiral. Sometimes I sat in my room and just cried for no reason. I thought about how hopeless my life was, that I was never going to make anything of myself. Part of me knew that none of this made any sense. I was a straight-A student at a good college. I had family and friends that supported me, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was doomed. Whenever I went to class or hung out with friends on campus, I felt better. But every night, when I got back to my room, the sadness would eat away at me. Soon I became convinced that my outside life was just distracting me from the true hopelessness of my situation. I began turning down my friends' invitations, just to stay in my room and cry. I skipped class to sleep. I was in so much mental pain, I even started to self-harm by cutting. I had never done this before. It may sound hard to believe, but when I was in this room, there was no way to convince myself that my feelings of hopelessness weren't valid. I was doomed. I knew it in the depths of my soul. My friends began to notice how bad things had gotten and gently suggested that I should visit counseling services. I refused. Until one day, something happened that convinced me to get help. I was sitting on the bed in my dorm room, trying to study. Instead, I just could not stop crying. The pain inside me was so great, I was tempted to self-harm by cutting, just to make the inner turmoil stop for a moment. I closed my eyes, and suddenly, with great clarity, I saw a girl sitting on the bed in front of me. She had brown hair that hung to her waist, and she was looking down at something so I couldn't see her face. Then her eyes shot up toward me. She was crying and snarling all at once. The nastiest face I've ever seen a human being make. Her arms were covered in blood. I had an overpowering feeling that she wanted me dead. I opened my eyes and sprung out of bed. A heavy mood hung over the room, but the bed was empty. I could tell she was still there. I had never believed in demons or evil spirits, but this was a feeling of absolute hatred that I can only describe as pure evil. I left my room and went to the RA. Suddenly, I knew that I had to talk about how I had been feeling. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I told my RA about the depression and hopelessness and self-harm. Talking to someone lifted a weight that I hadn't even realized I was carrying. But I didn't mention the ghost girl on my bed. When I stopped talking, I expected the RA to send me straight for counseling, which I did end up doing eventually. Instead, she asked if I knew about the history of that room. She didn't want to scare me by telling me before, but given what was happening, I had a right to know. Way back in the early 1800s, the college had a program for students from low-income families. They could attend the college for free, but they had to work as servants for the richer kids. My room was reserved for students in this program, 
One year, the girl who lived there was relentlessly bullied by her richer classmates, whom she was forced to serve as a maid. The stress got to be too much, and she flunked out of her classes. When the college asked her to withdraw, she slit her wrists in her dorm room, dying by suicide. I stayed with a friend until student life could find me another room. As soon as I left, the depression lifted. And to this day, I'm convinced that if I had stayed, I would not have made it out alive. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. All right, um, listener stories. We got some damn good ones. Yeah, I'd say there's a couple gems here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone who has asked for listener stories before, I know it's like a fairly common thing to do in our niche right um they are hit and miss absolutely like yeah and you you always get those ones that are great stories but the person might not be a great writer which is cool especially if they're cool with you like with us like tweaking it a little yeah you know but in this case of these three stories they came in just like this they were all written fantastically yeah yeah. So it was, uh, I, yeah. Finding that out, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I've been holding back that second story for quite a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk about them. Um, yeah. I mean, surprisingly, despite already being re- well written, they were all very equally, like, creepy, I would have to say. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely which is, creepy. I mean, that's that's honestly it, it can be kind of tough to do to tell yeah. a story the way that you want to and tell it well but also make it make it scary you know bring the scare factor yeah. so it's yeah, true i think that was that was definitely achieved speaking of scary the first story room four freaked me out a lot the first time i read it because okay so it would be easy to to like sort of write this off as like fictional right the story i think of the three this is the most where it's like this sounds like a scene in a scary movie well yeah you know of course. What I mean? yeah but the listener assured me because they sent it in on tiktok and i exchanged a few messages with them and they assured me i even went to their tiktok and saw that they like are a nurse and like, you know, they post videos from the hospital they work in and all that. See, that's where I like, I, I actually, I kind of, I don't know, it makes, it makes you question how often people see things like this. And yeah. maybe, maybe just uh, chalk it up to the trick of, you know, the light or something like that, right? Yeah. Kind of just dismiss it. And don't but, go back to make sure. Right. Because like. Yeah. You know the the hospital around here. There, what, what I can't remember. I want to say it's like the fifth floor, and I apologize for everybody that knows specifically, <laughs> and I'm butchering yeah. it. But one of the floors is notorious, like notoriously well known for being haunted. Yeah, right. And I mean, it's I believe it is. People the fifth have floor. seen. It, I think it is too. Yeah, 
Um, but like people have seen and heard so many things on that floor that like it's it's given it a reputation at this point. Yeah. Um, so I just, I mean, in, in a hospital, I think is like a perfect setting. Yeah. For just something terrifying. Lots and, of bad energy yeah, in there. Exactly. Exactly. And lots of deaths every single day. Yeah. And people waiting out their last days. And, you yep. know, which, yeah, kind of sucks. And, like, so this this one, for example, we have, um, what, this guy that goes in for some chest pains and stuff like that, seemingly yeah. ordinary, most likely going to be fine guy. And they put him in to monitor him, and of course, everyone that's been getting put in this room has died. So why would you just not put somebody in this room, first of all? Like, Uh, even if it's superstitious or a little stitious, like, (laughs) regardless. I think, and I think that is one interesting thing about hospitals, is they, they do get superstitious. You would think in a building filled with people who you know, have devoted their life to medicine and science and right. all that, that it would be fairly rare. But this concept of like an unlucky room or a cursed room is super common in hospitals. Yeah. And they, I think they like, you know, you can't write this person was like refused entry or had to wait, you know, an extra half hour for a room because this one's haunted. You know what I mean? Like you I'm, can't put I'm that gonna in the like file. put this on my my medical my medical thing on my phone. Like if I have to go to the hospital, even if I have to wait a little bit on a room that's ghost yeah. and like yeah. curse free, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like I'll I'll you know like whatever I'll be fine. You know, let so me wait ask, fifteen twenty minutes. Right. Agreed. I was gonna ask what your opinion is of the that whole idea of like a room being cursed and that to the point where they're even like bringing in a priest to bless the room. I I mean, if, if you have a room that again, it, every person that it's been in lately has died. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I mean, if, if you can bless it, whatever else, like all, you know, all feelings on, spirituality and religion and everything else aside, right? Sure. Um, just that little added, maybe maybe bit of comfort knowing, like, yeah. that this is being done. Just I, a I, little boost yeah. of positive energy. I, I think, honestly, I think it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and even if it's just, again, a superstitious thing, Yeah. why not? I, it, I think it's perfectly appropriate, especially in that yeah. type of setting where your goal is to uplift people and you know yep. and to cure them or you know keep them comfortable or whatever else like yeah i think i think it's definitely important especially in a case like that yeah. so yeah i, I mean, think i'll be on i'll be honest i'm a little stitious yeah you know like i'll you know if i spill salt i'll throw some over my shoulder i'll like it makes me a little nervous when my kids open umbrellas inside <laughs> really? Uh, just like, yeah. Yeah, just right, like, because you've fair. heard it so many times your whole life. Yeah, you know what I, I mean, mean? But those ones, I'm just like, ah, come on. That's a little silly. But maybe I that's why I've had terrible luck my whole life. <laughs> maybe. Because <laughs> I'm like purposely like, 
just flirting with like you know just the playing fun. With the umbrella. Yeah, exactly. Just flirting with yeah. the idea of like, huh? I bet this isn't real. You know, one that always bothered me is you're not supposed to walk under ladders. Yeah. And I'm like, when is that a good idea anyway? I mean, yeah, agreed. You know 100%. I mean? like, if someone's up on a ladder, don't walk under it. No, you... That's a terrible idea. Walk to the side of it or you steadily hold it until they yeah. return. Exactly. Yeah. You don't stand agreed. under it. And then, like, what... Uh, uh, breaking mirrors, right? You get yep. seven years seven of bad years. luck. Yeah, yeah. That that's one I I've never liked. I try to yeah. I try to avoid breaking mirrors. You know, that would my make my frenzy of rage and <laughs> <laughs> whatever else. Uh, yeah, that that one. Yeah, but like the salt, the umbrella stuff like that. Seeing a black cat. I mean, yeah. like I loved black cats growing up. Like they were my favorites. So. Oh yeah. Was I just dooming myself? I don't know. I guess, but regardless. I don't know. My so my wife works with lots of animal rescues. She does like volunteer work with right. uh, with a bunch of them, and um, they have such a hard time getting people to adopt black cats. That's so it's, weird. It's yes. It's like that idea that they're somehow associated with negativity or bad luck or curses or like whether people realize it or not that is a thing embedded in our society it is so hard to get rid of them that's that's just silly to me but yeah, it's I, sad. I think you know I've always thought black cats were adorable that's why like why we end up having so many black cats because <laughs> <laughs> she ends up feeling bad for them I mean, you can't feel bad for every animal that comes yeah. through. That's a struggle for everyone who does that work. I, I'm so. sure it is. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I know. Gar- I guarantee. If I was like in a position like that, like, yeah, it'd be impossible. Seeing them not every day. To, yeah. Yeah. It'd be impossible not to feel bad and to want to like care for them and you yep. know give them an opportunity. But like at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself. You know, yeah. two cats is too many. <laughs> is that is that too many? I mean, um, two cats I think is, is fine, but two cats is also plenty. Um, I it's gotten to the point where like, you know, all partners occasionally have that conversation, like, oh, what would we do if we had like, you know, a crazy amount of money, right? Like everyone has that that conversation. Go to the pound, and let all the cats go free. <laughs> Sorry, that's Atari's <clears throat> line. Um, we uh, so mine is I'm always like, you know, I would have like an awesome podcast studio and yeah. you know I'd, all that stuff. And she's like, I would just build a huge thing for cats. <laughs> I would build like a huge enclosure and like start her own animal rescue. Okay. I mean that's yeah. a solid, that's a pretty solid like you know yeah idea especially honestly. around here like, right we live in the heart of the stray animal belt oh yeah yeah I mean, that's, <laughs> it's rough yeah it, it is it's bad it's bad for sure but yeah that's solid I think if if my my goal and my goal right now and I've been I've been looking at like little buildings is to build like a tiny home in my backyard yeah that I can use for all of my like studio stuff and yeah nice that's that's a goal 
But uh, yeah, I've been looking at building some pricing stuff. Um, just because like that would be phenomenal. I'd love to have separate space. Yeah. So I could also cool. use it for work, you know? Yeah. Uh, like everything I do. So, yeah. Um, they, um, oh yeah, I was going to say early, like early when she and I first started dating, she was, cause she, I'm a little stitious. She is very superstitious, like very. So I remember this moment when we, we'd maybe been dating a month and I helped her. I was helping her move out of her place in Indianapolis and she had one of those like you know those shitty like full body mirrors they sell around like the time people go back to college I mean yeah you those can go to like, like Walmart and buy, buy yeah, one it's of like them 10 for bucks. like 10 bucks yeah, yeah. Um, she had one of those and it was in the like throw out pile and I like picked it up and tossed it into the dumpster and she freaked out you probably like, shattered that bitch. Yeah, it did. It shattered. And she freaked out. Like, I remember her being upset for, like, weeks. Over yeah, because that. if like, she's going to be with you for the next seven luck. years, she's going to have to endure your bad luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some might say she did. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but yeah, a lot, uh, that first story, it, it got me because the soup, so much... The superstition that's present in those places is, it's weird. You wouldn't yeah. think that it would be so strong. I think there's even an episode of Scrubs that the whole subject is that, about like a cursed room where every patient who goes in it is, you know, I think it, so I'm pretty sure that's a thing that is just people well, in the medical profession yeah, are aware I'm, of. And I'm sure, know? I'm sure there's like those wings or rooms or floors that people are like, they get asked to like, oh, you're gonna be on there. Like, no, no, anywhere but that. Like, oh, like, right. you know, it just makes yeah, them nervous. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, it, you can you can get that feeling just going into a house. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's uh, you know, I, th- I think that that's that's definitely a real thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it is. It's it's just like the thought of watching this monitor, right? And seeing this thing, and she goes and checks on it and doesn't see anything in there, but she goes back and watching it. She sees it again. And as it progresses, it's progressively getting closer and closer. Yeah. And yeah, like that, that's where it gets like terrifying. Yeah, that's, that's a high stress scene for sure. And like, I mean, what is this thing? Is it like a Grim Reaper? See, that, that was kind of my thought. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that was that was kind of my thoughts. Um, maybe I, it's like a, maybe it's like a Grim Reaper gone rogue, where it's like I'm not gonna find people. I'm just gonna camp in this room and take everybody who comes in. But <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. I yeah, I was I was thinking of just this situation, but yeah, the fact that everybody everybody that goes in this died, died in there, whatever. Maybe it's yeah. like some demonic presence or something that's. Sure. Lingering and feeding off of anybody that comes in there and just literally eating their souls. It's a soul eater. It might be a soul eater. It's a soul eater. That's super scary. Right? Yeah. Honestly. It's very scary, for sure. And that kind of like segues into the second story because I just realized we have two stories where, where the thing moves while they're not watching. Yes. 
very I mean, like weeping <laughs> angel style. I was gonna style. say it's literally an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Which like so many of our I, episodes I love are. that, and and we've talked about we've talked about this, and, and I even mentioned uh, in passing that uh, the new Resident well, it's not new at this point, but the latest Resident Evil Village DLC had a weeping angel, a weeping angel style, uh, like room Monster. where yeah, it had like these. Yeah, whatever. And any any time you'd you'd look away, they'd be chasing you, and you look back like, and that's how you had to get around. You had to always be watching them, right? That's so creepy. It is, and that to me, I think, is one of the creepiest things. Yeah, and the weeping angels in Doctor Who always freaked oh, me out. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, for sure, for sure. Like, it's just. Uh, I mean, even even as we go back to that first episode with the uh, the mannequins, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so like, and that's something I've always thought about too. And I remember uh, as a kid having this dream where we were we were driving through a cemetery. I think we were yeah. visiting family or something. And I remember sitting in the back seat and looking out like the back window. And every time we'd pass, like you would see like these like statues and stuff, right? Yeah. You would they would turn their heads and watch us, you know, watch us as we pass, basically. And I remember, like, coming up in the last one, which was, like, uh, I, I can't remember what, what statue it was, but, like, like I'm just looking at it, and all of a sudden it just, like, starts, like, crying blood, and then I wake up, and I, <laughs> like, being terrified. Yeah. But, yeah, very, like, similar to, you know, that, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, some, like, things like that have always, you know, kind of bothered me because of that dream, and that, shit, that's been years and years ago that I had that dream. Yeah. Like, as a kid, um, but I remember it very vividly, and just that's what all these things always kind of bring me back to or remind me of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's fucked up. Ballpark, how old were you? Probably 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty scary dream. Yeah. To have when you're 11. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. For yeah. sure. I've always dreamed of Makes you wonder what shit. source material <laughs> you're yeah. working with. Right? I know, I know. Yeah, but I um, mean, you know, like this—it's just that whole like feeling of you know, always having things that have followed me, or always having these weird feelings. Like I think that all goes yeah. plays into it. But who knows? Whatever. For sure, dreams are dreams. But I feel like there's some realistic factors to our dreams that provoke them. I agree. Or yeah, influence them, if you will. Yeah. So big question about story number two. Yeah. Slenderman story. Big question is, what year did the Slenderman stuff blow up? So this is what we were, uh, this is what we kind of started to talk about at first. Yeah. Um, because that's you know. So that's it was in 2014 that the two the two girls lured lured their friend. Right. right. Um, so it was before that. Let's see. Let's 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 look into this for yeah, all of our I'm curious our listeners here. And because, I'm sure you guys probably know a lot more than we do. So yeah, I'm sure. Feel free to school us. <laughs> this experience that she had was in 2008. Yeah. I think. It was 2006 or 2008. Okay. I think it was like 2006 to 2008. Okay. This was like roughly the so, timeline. Um, 2009, um, something awful held a contest challenging users okay. to. So that was the very beginning. For the photographs and stuff. And then. Yeah. That's where a lot of these pictures of Slenderman came into play. Yeah. 
Okay, so she had this experience in 06. Then she doesn't hear about Slenderman until 2011. Right. So that would be about the time it started getting big and really catching on and everyone was talking about it. Right? Yeah, so it, it was... It had to take a year or two. Yeah, it was 2009. And that's where okay. they, they had the they had the thing about the pictures and it, it was... Uh, okay. Yeah, people that just photoshopping pictures. Right, yep. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so she had this experience well before... It is a very Slender Man. Yeah, how it, I, I you know, agree. It the, doesn't the, move while she's watching it. Right. And, and I mean, like, the idea of, like, the, what, the bowler cap and stuff, too. Yeah. And, yeah. Which, I mean, Slender Man's been described as both, uh, you know, like, multiple sure. different ways, of course. But long and yep. lanky. And, yep. yeah, I mean, that's that's generally our, you know, general thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, this also could... This could just as easily have just been a run-of-the-mill shadow person, shadow entity, whatever that people have been seeing for, you know, generations. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, I mean, because when they first, when she first spots it, it's what, half a mile to a mile up the tracks. Yeah. And they're just out there, like, playing around, kind of walking the track, which I'm, I'm surprised they walked the tracks for so long. I mean, I remember being kids and us going out and like hanging around on the tracks and walking and stuff yeah. and you know whatever being being kids. Yeah, I don't Jumping remember doing that as a teenager, but you know, like yeah, me neither. <laughs> regardless, it um, had to be. It had to have been a tiny town that they yeah, grew up in, probably. If the only thing they could think of to do was like, well, it's nice outside. We don't have a park, so I guess we'll just walk on the train tracks. I know it's also, she mentions that like at that time there was like a pizza a pizza joint or something like right by yeah. there and something else. And as the years have you know progressed, like now the town yeah, is kind of built up, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming at this time it probably was pretty small, you know, pretty yeah. pretty underdeveloped and whatever else at that point. But yeah, so they she sees this thing and she like tells him to look at it and he's like, "We gotta go." Yeah, which is interesting, right? Right? Like, because why that, wouldn't he be like, "What is that?" Or yeah. like, what, it denotes the idea that he was. See, or, yeah, yeah. It suggests that he was experience that he experienced some kind of like immediate fear response to whatever it was, right? Or you know maybe I don't know just thinking man there's a man on the tracks we should probably go yeah i guess i you know it just seems like an odd response if i if i was walking down the tracks and i saw this like long tall lanky thing just staring like standing in the middle of the tracks probably get the fuck out of there i'd probably turn around yeah yeah i'd be a little hasty i'm sure yeah but then the next time she looks back it's moved half the distance right toward them which is that's now it's on yeah that like now you know it's something weird right yeah i mean it just the just the idea that it's been it was that fast and they're like they're running you know yeah i mean well they're briskly walking it wasn't until like a little bit after that they start full sprint and she's like basically flopping in the wind (laughs) i loved how she described that (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) That her toes were barely touching the gravel. Yeah. yeah. And she finally like bucks down a like full full yeah. plant, full send. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it, it's just 
it's like every time she looks back, it is, it's closer, closer, closer. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. That is what nightmares it's, are made of. Absolutely. It really is. That like you can't understand the physics of what's happening right in front of you. That's as unsettling as it gets. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That I think that's why people get so freaked out when they have like honest to goodness UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. I think it's like because it it's so apparent when you're watching something move and you know the way UFOs tend to move that like this isn't a thing that I could ever be familiar with. Right. This You know what I mean? It's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Which makes it completely unpredictable. Yeah. 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 I mean that's in some of the scariest things are the things that we know the least about. Like and that and that's what it all comes down to. Definitely. So no, it, like And I, I had a weird thought come to mind when I was reading it. So he moved like half the distance and then the next time she looked back it was half the distance again. And it reminded me of this is going to get super nerdy, so bear with me. Um, in the Final Fantasy video games, there is... I saw that smirk. Um, there's a spell called Demi, right? And every time you cast it, it does like a percentage of the, of the monster's life. Right. Like it reduces their, their hit points by a percentage. So you can't ever actually kill anything with it. You can just cut down... Whatever that percentage it's, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's hit points. So you can go from 100 to 50 to 25 to, you know, 13 and a half or... Yeah, 12 and a half. But, like, you can't ever get to zero. Okay. Because it's a percentage. It, so I was sort of thinking about it like that. Like, how close could it actually get? If it's like, maybe this is just, like, 100% a fear tactic. Yeah. Right? I mean that's possible, yeah. I I because I didn't look at it like that. Because you would think if it could cover that distance, it could easily have caught up with them if it wanted to, right? I would think so. And that's and there's the no thing. way I they mean, just like physically outran it, right? Even when they're like full sprinting, yeah. If that thing was like she looks back and they're briskly walking, a light jogging, if you will, yeah. If and then they look back and it's halfway. The, like yeah, half it just the covered a quarter less. mile, right? Exactly, yeah. and yeah. under how many seconds? So, yeah, yeah. Unless I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like in reality, when this is happening, you know, it's they're probably I, depth perception is is a is a real thing yeah, too, yeah. right? It is. So like, yeah, putting putting that in the equation, and also like how much they're actually traveling. Yeah, you know, especially if they're not like fully running. Yeah, they're not covering a lot of ground. See, that's one of the things that that's one of the things that for me really made this feel believable was the way she described it. There weren't any numbers. She wasn't like like she had a general idea that it was a half mile to a mile down the yeah, tracks to begin course. with. But after that, it was it got halfway to here, and then it was at this landmark, and then it was. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she wasn't trying to. She told the story how she perceived it, 
Yeah. Which makes it feel much more real. Agreed. And more believable. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of... It's more... Not necessarily rational, but... Uh, yeah, it, it. I feel like it adds it adds to the authenticity yeah. a bit, just just because it's not so matter of fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she doesn't try to give any details. There's no way she could have had exactly in the moment. Yeah. You know. I think that's yeah. that's definitely important for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, but this this seems like you know a lot of people talk about shadow people and shadow entities like they. You know, they have this idea that they're some interdimensional being that sort of feeds off that, like, fear energy, right? Yeah, for sure. So as someone who himself has had lots of experience with shadow people, is, it, is that what you call them? Shadow people? I mean, yeah. Shadows, yeah, okay. shadow figures. Okay. Shadow so people as someone probably who's, is a better term. Yeah. As someone who's had those experiences... What what do you think of that theory that they're some something that like feeds off of fear? I mean, I yeah, I would I honestly I'd have to agree. I think uh, I mean I feel like the more you play into it, the more it's the more present and and the forefront it's going to be, right? Um, if yeah. that makes sense, then that might be the worst way to word that, but it just makes it it almost gives it that much more. Well, damn it. I was trying not to... Not saying it makes it that much more real. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. It's, more powerful? It does. It, it gives it... Yeah. It almost gives it, like, that that energy enough, you know, like, that that energy to kind of build and become yeah. a thing. And so... You know, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, yeah, I would, I would have to say, I mean... I th- I think I think being able to feed off of the fear and off of that I think just adds that much more to it. Yeah, I think it's a great analogy, and it might be more than an analogy. It might be like a physical representation of the way the human mind works with anxiety. Oh yeah, right. Because the more anxiety you have around a situation, it it, it changes how bad that situation is. Like physically changes it see like even if you even if it's like you know like a physical ailment yeah you have the more anxiety you have about it the worse it gets see i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna lay it out here um which i know we we're very open about mental health on the show sure uh, as we should be i mean like it should be yeah. v- very you know should be something people talk about agree i have extremely bad anxiety and I, I, yeah. I've, there's been times where I have thought like, maybe a lot of what I've seen, what I've carried, what uh, what's been with me has been, literally just my anxiety. Yeah. I mean, because anxiety can be crippling. Absolutely. Like, completely crippling to the point of. I mean, you know, it can literally cause you to not be able to move, breathe. It it yep. can cause like everything around you to feel like it's crumbling down or cause you almost I think in some cases can cause hallucinogenic hallucinogenic effects you know because you're like under all that anxiety that stress that paranoia that whatever else like 
for me, I mean, I've also been a paranoid person my whole life too, like which is a big result of my anxiety. And so I feel like a lot of that can cause you to experience or have these different types of experiences that, you know, like maybe you aren't seeing these things, but maybe it's literally just your mind telling you to fuck off. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And I honestly, like, I feel like that's that's been a big, you know, big thing for me for sure. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's ever had a full blown, legitimate panic attack knows that anxiety can literally strangle you. Yeah, it can steal the breath from your lungs, like, yes, yeah. and it's terrifying yeah. in the moment. It literally feels like you're dying. Um, but okay, if you. If you look at all this, all the all the um, you know, Fortean phenomenon that people report experiencing. If you think about that in the context of the idea of co-creation, then could these shadow entities, these shadow people be maybe the anxiety that the person is experiencing creating co-creating these entities with you know the other whatever the other is this like intermingling it intermingling with your anxiety to create these creatures that seem to feed off your anxiety and your fear because they get more powerful and more present the more fearful and anxious you are right but maybe you're just pouring more anxiety into the creation of them you know what I mean giving it that much more life basically yeah it's the yeah. anxiety monster. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah, I honestly, I you know, that's and that's been something I th- I think I've uh you know, I've I've kind of thought about over the years too. And as we've yeah. had these conversations and stuff too, like being able to being able to like identify that and you know, rationalize like okay, like as much as like I, I love you know I love any anything within like the fourteen paranormal paranormal world yeah. like you know like I love it, it you know obviously uh, we we do this for a reason but yeah like at the same time like when I try to justify it and rationalize it and you know maybe like think you know think with a kind of skeptical mind yeah a skeptic mind where rather like. Yeah, like maybe maybe anxiety and stuff like that does have a lot to do with it. Yeah, because I mean, I've I've been in situations where like my anxiety is so bad, I I I can't talk, or you know, like yep. it it can make a situation a thousand times worse. Yeah, and you don't know how your body is going to respond to that. First of all, yeah, because it's not just in your head; it affects everything. Yeah. So it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I fully like, yeah, I'm, I, I would say like if, if all of this is bullshit, right? Let's say it's all bullshit sure. and it's all down to mental, like our mental well being. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But I'd like but to see, think that there's also something behind the curtains too. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is it doesn't have to be zero or a hundred either. So the fact that your anxiety is feeding this experience doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, quote unquote, all in your head. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's like the other, whatever the other is, the source of all this, yeah. interacting with your the psyche other in was, that moment. was supposed to be your homework to figure out what the other is. Yeah. You know. I think that's, I think that's a long-term homework. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> but regardless. Um, but yeah, I th- question, does talking about anxiety make you anxious? No. Like, no? It actually feels better. It's, oh, it does me. When I talk about like details, when I get into like details of how yeah. it feels, I start to like oh, feel no, it rising yeah. up. I mean, if you, if you, you like know? talk about how it feels, like yeah, it can it yeah. can definitely provoke something within you to allow you to experience it, even if if for like yeah. a microsecond. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was getting there for a minute mm-hmm. when we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'll give you that for sure. But uh, panic attack, panic attacks are a terrifying thing that I've I experienced. Am, yeah, for years. Same, and it, it's same. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I used to have tons of anxiety around driving before I stopped driving, and I I can think of at least half a dozen times driving like in the snow or in some kind oh, of yeah, really bad sure. weather where I have literally had to pull to the side of the road and throw up. Like, because I was having a full-blown panic attack yeah. driving in it. Like, man, it's brutal. Yeah. I've I've, brutal. I've driven in the snow and ice and stuff, and even driving as, as cautious as you want to be. And I'm, I'm a very defensive yep. driver, you know, as sure. is, and very cautious and stuff. But regardless, like, when anxiety is a factor in that, too, like, there's, like, I'll clench my steering wheel so tight. And I, I keep my fingernails very, very short. Short. But yeah. there's been times where I've literally drawn blood from squeezing yep. so tight. Same. Like, not even I've joking. That. It's crazy. I know. Me too, man. And, like, I was just talking about, I, like, sort of briefly referenced it when um, I did Oscar's podcast last week. Um, that feeling when you finally make it to your driveway. Yeah. Um, and you like you realize that you've had like a white knuckle grip on your steering wheel the whole time and you literally have to like pry your fingers off the steering wheel because they're like frozen yeah. in that stuck position yeah it's almost it's, it's like it's at that point though it's almost like a feeling of like I don't want to say a euphoric feeling oh it is but yeah, yeah. It, it is in a sense right just overwhelming relief yeah, that it's over. Exactly. Exactly. But you have that like leftover physiological thing where your hands are just kind of stuck in that position. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, like Yep, I agree. Yeah. For sure. And then you're so exhausted yes. afterwards. Oh dude. Yeah. Hundred percent. And unfortunately we live in like one of the worst states because the our weather is so like all over the place. Exactly. Yep. Like yep. this, we've been getting snow the last couple of days. Where before that, it was people were 70. out there in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absurd. But and like, also, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like shame put on you growing up in Indiana if you don't like if you're not good at or you don't like driving in the snow. Yeah, because I can't tell you how many times I heard like, "You grew up here. What's wrong with like you should." You should know what you're doing driving. That you should mm-hmm. be fine driving in the snow, and like, it's just—it's not even like a skill thing, no. right? It's not like 
It's not like I wasn't good at driving in the snow. I knew how to do it. It was like, it's a mental health issue, right? It's like this like anxiety that it, maybe it doesn't make sense, right? But it, that doesn't make it... You yeah. can't just dismiss it. You can't talk yourself out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know all the things to do if, like, yeah. in, when it comes to driving in snow and ice. And, I, uh, yeah, I'm uh, 90, 99% of the time, everything is going to be perfectly fine. But there's sure. still that, that feeling of, like, what yeah. if? And you're constantly, yep. like, hoping and praying, you know, if you pray, whatever. Like, other people aren't going to be the cause because at that point it doesn't matter how cautious and how well you do yeah everything revolves on others it revolves around yeah. others too so like there's yeah. a lot at play there and you know and that and that just and that's another thing that adds to it and so you're like well what if they are going too fast or you know yeah. like and one thing i despise especially is when the roads are so shitty and yet people have the biggest balls and dick on them to, like, pass you in it. And yeah. you're like, what are you doing? And it's yeah. just like... You're going to kill somebody. Use, like, use your heads. Exactly. You know? It's, yeah. It, it's just... It's silly. But, you know, it, it, I mean, it, I, I don't have a problem. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, there's sometimes where especially, like, once I get to my neighborhood, I'll play in the snow a little bit. Like sure. I, I like to, you know, I like to get my my car moving and, you know, kind of drift around some corners, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I know I have control at that point. Sure, you know, it's it's when others are involved that really, really add to it for for, for me at least. Yeah, agreed. But so yeah, regardless. shadow people, anxiety monsters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the story was a really cool. It monsters. had a really cool setting. It did. It did. I, I agree yeah. for sure. The, yeah. the railroad tracks in like this rural town is a very cool setting for an encounter. I agree. Is it? It feels very isolated. Yeah, right? I mean they, they're the only two out even, there outside yeah. of this thing, right? They're very. She vulnerable. talks about how like there are miles of trees on either side of the tracks, and like they're they're very isolated. And, exactly. Yeah, it was, Which, it's scary, dude. Agreed. It's a scary story, and I definitely understand like. At the end, you know, they go and they meet their friends or whatever, and they try to tell them, and they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, yeah, of course. And, you know, they're yeah. also teenagers at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. Sure you did. It is what it is. But yeah. this last story, The Servant. Yep. Nailed it. The Servant. Yeah. This one was, uh, I mean, like, it's really, like, 90% of the story is just like you feel for this person. Maybe yeah, they're homesick. Maybe they're like they're going yeah. through, you know, like the especially like you first you first go off to college that feeling of you know, you're you're by yourself, you're yeah. whatever else. Like, yeah, you're untethered for the first time. Exactly. You know, and and yeah. it, it it it's expected to miss home or you know, maybe yep be emotional at times where especially like things that you have the weight of the world on you and you're focused yeah. on making sure you're doing well and at the same time you are responsible for you your parents are no no longer you know like yeah there's a yeah. there's a lot to it i mean it's it's honestly it's a it's a big responsibility yeah you freshman know? blues right exactly 
So like yeah, you know totally the first, normal. I feel like the first part of the story is almost like that. Like you know, like yeah, yeah it sucks. Like yeah, that's the that feeling is shitty and everything. But it it, pers- it continues. It continues yeah, to persist. It gets but really bad. It gets worse. Right. Exactly. And then we get to the point where she's seeing like well she she starts experiencing cutting you know yeah. like at that point and that's when you know things have taken a turn like it's not yeah, just absolutely it's not just like the emotional like the the you know things that come with being homesick or being off yeah. on your own or whatever else like there there's more emotional uh like your emotional state is is heightened at that point changing exactly yeah. it's definitely changing i mean it could be anxiety it could be a lot of other things regardless yeah. it's 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 bad i think i think the first sign for me that like something was going on something was ha- was happening that didn't have a a normal explanation was the fact that she was so of two minds right like she could tell herself like i'm doing fine i'm getting great grades at a great school yeah. i'm you know all the everything i have everything going for me right now but when she would be in this room it was like an undeniable like an unavoidable urge to just dwell on everything negative but it was also her friend like it was starting to take a toll on her like her social life and her friends were yeah. witnessing her yeah almost changing, like it was right? sucking her in right exactly. because like which is Man, we have a lot of metaphors for mental health today. But yeah. like I mean that that happens too when you get swallowed by depression. Yes. Right? It's really easy cuz you know and you sit there and you tell yourself like if I go out, I'll feel better. Mhm. But you you can't make yourself go no. out. You like, also can't you if you go out, you can't make yourself feel better. Yeah. I've had nights you, where you, I've done that and I've just like sat in the corner just feeling like shit the whole time. Yep, you're too change. depressed to do the thing that helps your depression. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you like go work out or you go hang out with your friends, or that you're gonna feel better, but you can't make yourself do it. You're too depressed to get the solution for your depression. Yeah, like which is what she starts experiencing. Right, yeah. it gets so bad so fast that she realizes like, oh, I'm not, I'm not taking up those invitations anymore to go out and do the things that were kind of her saving grace. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and then it's like it builds up so much that there's that one time that she just has this feeling, and then what was it? She she closed her her eyes. Yep, and she saw, back, lays yeah. back and closes her eyes. Yep, and sees this gross girl. thing, girl. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, which yeah. is, yeah, I mean, that, like, knowing what we know at the end of the story, you know, yeah. but also if we knew that a little bit before and, you know, can kind of piece this together, yeah, like, there, there's obviously some lingering, lingering negative energy in, in that space that yeah. is almost, like, resonating and, you know, just constantly... Um, like constantly building and things like that. And she's been subject to it this whole time. Yeah. I think like this is sort of the classic idea of like, um, 
I don't know if I'd call it classic. It's sort of been like clung to by like TV ghost shows, right? This idea of like a negative presence or a demonic presence or whatever you want to call it. This like this like wet blanket on everyone that comes into this space. Yeah. Right. But she's in it hours and hours and hours yeah. of every day. I mean, that's right? where she lives. Like she yeah. lives in this space. Yeah. And that's where I mean, yeah. Somebody else might go in there and just feel oh, like, oh, it feels like, gross in here. Yeah, and then like they get have to leave. that weird feeling, and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't have to endure it day in and day out. But she did. Yeah. And like, it's no wonder. I mean, the feelings and things that she felt, like trying to cope yeah, with it, it the toll. way that she did. Um, yep. You know, obviously there's there's definitely something further there. And so, yes, we witness this girl. Um, you know, and it's and it's after it's after that that she like agrees she needs to get help. She needs to, yeah. you know, she ends up going to a, a therapist, and yep. then which I'm actually impressed that I believe it was the therapist right that told her like, oh yeah, there's oh. this room has a history. No, no, no. She goes to her her RA her resident. Ah, that's advisor. what it was. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And she she gives her the story. Um. Cause she doesn't, but she doesn't tell her about the girl, right? She's just like, okay, I'm freaking out. Something, something's going on. Yeah. I need, I need to get some help. So she goes and admirably she goes and she, you know, admits even to the self harm, to everything. She tells her advisor about it and like, I need, I need some help. Yeah. And, um, which is awesome. I mean, yeah. Right. Cause it's so hard to, to give up details like that to people. When you really should. Identifying um, the issues within yourself is... Yeah, it's always the first step, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so without telling her about the girl, her advisor tells her this story of what apparently or allegedly happened in that room of, you know, this girl who was a part of this fucking crazy very turn of the century program that, that this yeah college had. that I, I was just yeah. like man that it, it's very old school it really is but of that's course like of course that that's, that's like a, an american that's like an american version of downton abbey going on <laughs> there where yeah. like well, yeah you can hang out but you also you're the help yeah exactly like, you can learn for free but you're for sure gonna be dressing us and bringing us drinks which i mean i'll give them I'll give it to them. The offer of of I don't know how really to justify it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like it, the uh, the idea of getting icky. the education. Yeah, that's great. Sure, but like the fact that you have to look at yourself as a servant, right? A servant, yeah. Or a second, you know, like yeah. I mean, that, that's second shitty. class citizen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gross. Obviously, that's not anything that would fly today. Right. Um, but, like, because it's essentially indentured servitude, right? Yeah. For In exchange for an education, which a lot of people did that in this time period. They would, you know, for just for the opportunity to make themselves, you know, to better their situation afterward. Mm-hmm. Right. But for for a young girl, like, for yeah, a young anyone, for, for, for a young person of to be in that situation where they're already going to be the poor kid, right? They're going to be like 
they're going to be thinking of themselves that way. But the fact that they basically have to wear a sign on their head that says, I'm the poor kid. Yeah. Like, that's brutal. Yeah, it that's, really is. That's really brutal. Yep. So this girl is a part of this program. And it also, like, sort of comes full circle because in the beginning she talks about how she has she has the smallest room in the in the dorm. And they're like, well, yeah, that was servants' quarters. This room was originally a servants' quarters. And this girl that she that was part of this, she ended up committing suicide after because her grades start failing, right? And they ask her to resign, and instead she kills herself. That's like in the room. Uh, like, why not just turn that that room into literally just a storage storage room or something? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's already setting a really negative tone. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. That should be a broom closet, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That should be where they keep the mop buckets. Not where they make people sleep. Yeah, but dude, like, that's, I'm, yeah. I'm just really glad that this, you know, listener that sent this in, she even, like, pursued therapy afterward, right, to, like, even though she said once she was out of that room, everything picked back up. Yeah. Like, she got much better pretty much immediately after moving out of that room. That's so crazy. And But she she continued, you know, because it had gone so far with the self-harm and the, like, isolation and all that, that she went through with therapy and did, like, years of therapy about it also. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's... Yeah, I mean... It just, it, like things like that are definitely tough to come back from. Yeah, and to to do so being down that low, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to do so and like come full circle is admirable, at best for sure. Absolutely. And so, but yeah, like that just, it's it's crazy how much like of an influence that really has. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, like that lingering energy or that just the, the effect yep. that it has on someone's like mental well being. Like it, it makes you kind of question, you know? Yeah. It makes me think about the, st- the stone tape theory. The, you know, the idea that like physical, physical parts of the world absorb the energy of the events that occur near them. Yeah. Agreed. Right. And like the, so a lot of, people who you know subscribe to this idea they think that a lot of like imagery that people are seeing this paranormal sightings and stuff you're seeing like a replay of things like a running tape right of this energy replaying whatever it was that was powerful enough in the moment to imprint on the things around it yeah i i think i think that that's that's legit to an extent at least um you know, I, I don't know if I buy that as like all full all the sure. time sort of you know sort of thing but like yeah. I think yeah I think uh, you know the effects that things have given a situation given, given its past given the energy that's built up there can definitely have an effect yeah. on yeah. you know the future or those like those that come in contact or whatever else right um, but I like I said I don't know if I'd if I give it that like all the time. Sure. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I don't know. Cause if I, I mean, there that, are situations, but... there are situations obviously where people claim to have had direct interactions with 
whatever they are. And that right. would fly in the face of this theory, right? Yeah. But when you see like like say people see like a a ghostly figure standing in a window mm-hmm. over and over, like tons of people report seeing the same figure in the same window. Yeah. Like that reads like that to me, right? Yeah. Or like you'll see the woman in white passing down the hallway. Like that yeah, that makes sense to mm-hmm. me. Like that. But this idea that like energy a lot a lot of people, like, especially on the skeptical side, they kind of poo poo that the idea that energy affects that this kind of emotional energy of after generations pass can still have an effect on people. But I would ask any of those people who are skeptical that are skeptical about this if they've ever been in the Holocaust Museum. Right. Yeah. Because go in there and tell me that that pile of shoes doesn't have palpable energy. Yeah. That it doesn't... Anyone who can stand there and not feel like they're drowning in negative energy... Agreed. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, I remember the first time going to the Holocaust Museum was... And yeah. it, as it, it, like as a kid growing up, for some reason, I was I was always fascinated by like that that time that period. Era. Fa- yeah, not fa- not fascinated in the sense of like, oh, that's righteous. No, no like no. just just interested yeah, in it. Ex- very, yeah. very. It was uh, you know like in history, I felt it was like one of those things that obviously these people shouldn't have went through. It shouldn't have been a thing. Yeah, and Absolutely. for it to be such a like such a like big point in, in in our history and you know for that so many people endured and things like that like yeah as a kid i i really found myself very you know trying to read up and learn as much as i could and like going to the yeah. holocaust museum for the first time was it was very emotional yeah absolutely it's, it, it, again it's impossible not to be unless you're yeah. literally heartless and don't give a shit about anything like yeah. there's no way like that would not affect there's yeah even even in the slightest like never uh, will you see more tough guy 15 year old boys brought to tears yeah than in that building yeah no doubt and they're better for it absolutely like yep i mean i i get that there's a reason why like half of the history channel is devoted to world war 2 it's you know one of the most momentous moments in human history it shifted cultures all over the world right yeah so like that interest in it is it's deserved right agreed but yeah, yeah if, if we're talking energy if you're skeptical about uh, the effect it can have on you go in there because i mean you don't even have to you don't have to hear the recording you don't just stand in front of that pile of shoes and think about how you feel because it doesn't feel the same as when you're standing on the sidewalk outside. I mean, shit, even watch Schindler's List. Yeah, like, I sure. felt like, I mean, such a fantastic movie as as yeah. as it is. And the subject matter only makes it that much more, like, yeah. Impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, I yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a big thing. You know, I think I think energy definitely definitely lingers, especially having yeah. given like the past and everything. And yeah. it's like the effect I just know it has a, on it. I just know a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear like 
oh, the energy is so heavy in here. And like, but that's a real fucking thing. It really man. is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it absolutely is. It is. Yep. Dude, these are some some great listener stories. I'm I'm yeah. psyched. Yeah, we did. We had a, good us a lot of awesome talking points for sure. So, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. We need more right. of these because I want to do yes. an episode full of just listener stories. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of got to cheat this week. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, no, it's um, great though. It was great for sure. Yeah, send in some for Ryan. Um, well, I think that concludes. Episode 89, Listener Stories. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling it's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes we're just keeping up on our day-to-day and maybe some swag along the way it is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible again that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt, buy a sticker, buy a blanket, buy a pillow, anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.